Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. looking at a series uh, that we're calling Winning at Marriage. Um, and, and last week, we, we, we kind of highlighted the ladies, uh, because in the passage that we're in, it mentions the women first. So there's other texts in the Bible that the guys talk to first and then the women later, but this one happens to be that the ladies were first and the guys were second. So last week was, was part A, today is part B, the second part of it. And uh, I need you to just take the whole series in context so you understand it. Because there's no way we could have got it all squeezed into one, uh, one Sunday. But we started off last week, as you remember, just saying from John 17, 7, the Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth. The word sanctify means to make holy. So make them holy through how? Through the word of God, through the teaching of God's word, to sanctify, to, to grow, to change our life through the preaching of God's word. And we also notice that in 2 Timothy, it says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable. So all scripture that we look at in the Bible, there is something to profit from it. You know, sometimes it's, it's easy to say, well, you know, there's only certain passages of the Bible to preach from. Well, actually not. <laughs> you know, I, I said this the other day. I said, it's easy to know a church by, you know, by what they, what they talk about. But it's a lot better to know a church by what they're afraid to talk about or what they don't talk about, right? We just open up the God's Word and, and we just look at it. And, and sometimes the things that we talk about including last week and this week, they're just countercultural. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's counterintuitive. It's not what's natural for us to feel or to want or to desire. But nevertheless, it is God's Word. And, it's not, and sometimes the things we talk about just aren't popular. And, and you know, the people on television and, and, and Hollywood and the news people, you know, would all be against it. But regardless of what the world is saying... It's still God's Word. Amen, church? So we're still going to look at it. And, and it's good for us to do it because uh, God said, as we looked at that passage, that we need to be sanctified or made holy or need to grow by the preaching of the Word. And, and not by doing what everyone in the world does, but by doing what's right because it's the right thing to do. So, so this is a really, good, uh, a really good passage that we're going to be looking at and a really good thing. And, and today we'll focus on the men um, you know, one, one of the things that I see as a problem today, not just in the Christian world, but I'd say just in our society, is the lack of people taking responsibility. And I'll even zero it down, the lack of men that take responsibility. Uh, haven't you just even noticed it just in our culture? Everyone blames someone else. I mean, that is the norm. That is the go-to. It's not my fault, right? It's my parents' fault, it's not my fault. It's the government's fault. If the government would take care of me better, I could do these kind of things. It's not my fault. It's my school teacher's fault. Have you noticed in the last couple of years, it's not my fault. It's God's fault. He put me in the wrong body. Right? I mean, it's God's fault now. So it's everybody's fault. And no one wants to take responsibility for their actions. That is a huge problem and a huge detriment to the, to the family, huge detriment to the church of God, and a huge detriment to marriage when, when people just don't stand up and just say, you know what, I'm taking responsibility 
And I'm doing this just because this is the right thing to do. And I don't care what anyone else says. I don't care what, what the in-laws say. I don't care whatever, you know. I'm going to do what's the right thing to do just because it's the right thing to do. So take your Bible, please, if you've got this. And we're going to be looking here. And uh, we're in uh, the passage of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. That's all the way over the, the right-hand side of your New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 3. And uh, we're looking at this passage again. Last week we spoke to the women and uh, mentioned that uh, uh, in this context of this, basically, uh, ladies, your, your wonderful position is that of an influence upon the men. And you can influence them more by how you act, your character, more than what you say. So preaching at him is not going to influence or change him. But your sterling character, as we saw in the passage, uh, you, will, you will do more to influence him by who you are than what you say. So today, when we're looking at it here, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, we're picking up, and now the passage talks to the men, okay? So let's dig in. Here we go. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Okay, what we're going to do here today is we're, <laughs> we're going to try to get past the first word. The first word is likewise. <laughs> and uh, let's just take a look at that because that is kind of interesting. When you see the word likewise, what, think about what you're thinking about. Think about this. What's he saying? He, he's, he's saying he said something over here and now he said likewise, right? Uh, imagine, you know, if I went to you in Jeremiah here, if I said, Jeremiah, uh, after church today, could you take the vacuum cleaner and vacuum this carpet? Okay? And I would say it to Jeremiah. And then I'd go to Polly Sue, and I'd say, Polly Sue, likewise, can you do the same thing out in the lobby? What, what is she doing out in the lobby? Well, she'd be vacuuming, right? I mean, you understand that. You know, we're, we're, something was explained here. Now, likewise, you go and do it. So when he says it here, he says, likewise, what is he talking about? Well, we got to flip back a page, go back to chapter 2. We see this here in chapter 2, verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, we saw it to the ladies, likewise, you wives. And now in chapter 3, verse 7, likewise, you husbands. Husbands, we're talking to you. Husbands, this is an important thing. Husbands, there is a principle here about leadership, a biblical principle about authority that we need to look at. Let's go back to that verse in in chapter 2, verse 18, just to get it. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. So, so men, you know, we don't do what we do just because you're the man. No. Men, you do what you do because you're regulated. You're regulated by the principles of God's word. So go back to our, our key verse here today, verse 7. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Stop there for a second. Knowledge of what? Well, in context here, speaking about authority, your understanding and your submission to the Lord. Okay? Likewise, you husbands, just like I told the servants to be subject to their masters, likewise, you husbands, you need to understand the principle of authority and, and the principle of submission to who? Well, to, to our Heavenly Father. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Of course, this is Paul talking to the church. Do you notice in that context there, in that verse, that there is a structure of hierarchy. Do you, do you see that in that passage? Paul says, okay, church, listen, I need you to follow me as I follow Christ. There is an authority structure. 
There is a, uh, an attitude today that let's get rid of all authority, let's get rid of all structure, let's get rid of all hierarchy. You know what? <laughs> That's not God's plan, okay? Nothing works without a structure to it. It just doesn't. The family doesn't work. Your job doesn't work. The government doesn't work. <laughs> the government doesn't work no matter what happens. But, but, but if, you don't have, if you don't have an authority to stru- a structure to it, if there's not a structure to it, what is it? It's anarchy and it's chaos, right? Some guy gave me a crazy book. So, Pastor, we need to get rid of all authority, even within the church, and we're all just together, you know, sitting around singing kumbaya together. Okay, because God, you know, wants the church different than the world. No, that's not in the Bible. God's the one that created structure. There is a hierarchy. It's a good thing. There's hierarchy in the Trinity, Okay. God created it. It's a good thing. You know, to, to not have that, two heads would be a monster, right? But, but what does he say here? He's saying in 1 Corinthians, so listen, Jesus is the head, and Paul, you follow that, and then church, let's follow what's going on here. No structure, no organism can exist without that. Well, pastor, I just don't like authority. Then let me just say this. If you don't like authority, you don't like the Bible, all right? Because there's authority in the Bible, right? If there's an authority structure here. Well, I just don't like it. Well, then you don't like God's word. Because it's here, right? So let's keep looking at this, keep going on, and keep understanding it, and keep getting a grip on it. Go down to the next verse, 1 Corinthians eleven two. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to remember me in how many things in all things. Uh-oh, look at the Apostle Paul here. And keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. Church, I'm telling you something, and I want you to listen to what I'm telling you. Keep these things. Verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man, all right, get ready, gentlemen, here we go. The head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So now pay attention. This is in beautiful, clear English. That's why I love the King James. It's so crystal clear to understand it and to get it. There is an authority structure here. There's an authority structure. We'll see it here in a minute, even in the Trinity. And what is he saying? He said, God is over Jesus. Jesus is, is, is the head shepherd. There's, there's, an, there's a, a, an under-shepherd in the church, and the, the pastor is that. And you see it all throughout the Bible. But the head of the, uh, of the husband I'm sorry, uh, uh, the husband is, is submissive to Christ, and he's the head here in the relationship. And, and think about this just for a moment. If, if the husband is submissive to Christ, if the husband was truly correctly submissive to Christ, then I don't think there would ever be an issue with any women ever being submissive to their own husband. We looked at the definition of what submission is. It's been warped and ruined even in churches over the years. But, but, but submission is really just a proper response when in authority, okay? A proper response to any authority. That's all it is. It's not, you know, the he-man. It's not your slave. It's not that. It's nothing weird. Just the proper response. Having the proper response in the structure that God's given. And, and in the counseling that I've done and the marriages that I've worked with, I've, I've, I guess I've really kind of come down to this, that the real problem in marriages usually is the men. It is. It, 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 and I know the guys, well, I'll blame the women, I don't blame the guys. But when it really comes down to it, it really kind of comes down to the man. Why? Because God fundamentally designed the woman to be a responder. Okay? The man is the one that is directly answering to Christ. Okay, and, and the breakdown, the breakdown that I've seen is the man's lack of taking responsibility for his job as the man, and it breaks all the way down, and it just doesn't work all the way through the marriage. 
You know, I've noticed this in my marriage. I've been married for 26 years, and I notice this, that my wife responds to my attitude. Good or bad, she responds to my attitude. 99.9% of the time, uh, if there's a conflict in our marriage, I'll say this, it's usually my fault. Do I get some clap or an applause? <laughs> Amy, do I get like a bonus or something? <laughs> 99.9. Now, when it's the point one and it's her fault, it's really a mess. But the 99.9, church, it's my fault. Why? Because my wife's a responder to how I am, how my relationship is with my Heavenly Father. How I follow Christ is how I'm going to ever possibly even think that she would even want to follow me in anything. You know, like I, like I just mentioned, I, ladies, think about this for a moment. If, if your husband truly responded to you and the same way that he should be responding to Christ, you'd have no, no problem in your marriage at all, right? If we, if we worked with Christ the same way that we worked in our relationship, there wouldn't be those problems that we have, right? Truly a sacrificial, uh, uh, an attitude of submission, an attitude of understanding what God has for us. And the man is, is truly responsible to lead the family. Why? Because the man is accountable to Jesus. That's what these verses are saying. Guys, you are accountable You are accountable. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. There's mutual submission. Husbands to the wives, wives to the husbands, each other of us to each other of us. But in the fear of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one uh, to another with brotherly love. Look at the next four words. In honor, preferring one another. This is written to Christians. Christians in honor, preferring one another. Husbands, husbands, you are to prefer your wife. That's what you're supposed to do. We prefer them by, by not running rough on their feelings, not running rough over their desires, not acting like the things that matter to her are a bother to you, preferring her over the football game, <laughs> over Netflix, over your silly iPhone, over Facebook, over the boss that's calling on your phone, but preferring her. The, the problem, guys, that we have, and the problem that, that I have, is that men, we are inherently selfish. And all the ladies in the church said, <laughs> Get, ladies, don't follow me on that. <laughs> here's why men, here's why, guys, here's why we're inherently selfish. You don't know why? Here's why. <laughs> because when we were young, you know, our mothers did such a great job taking care of us, Right? You know, when you have, see, I see we have a lot of preschool children here, and you see, you know, the girls, the little girls, and the little girls take the dolls, and I was in the other day, and it was, uh, it was Gabby and, uh, and uh, uh, Bryn, and they had the dolls, and, and I walked in there and said, what are you doing? And they said, well, we're putting, the, you know, the baby to bed, you know, and, and this one's getting fed, and they were taking care of all the little babies in the nursery, you know. The guys are over there, and they, you know, they're playing with trucks and Legos, and no interest in taking care of the babies, Right. But the ladies didn't do that. The girls, even at that young age, they're just so concerned about taking care of that. And, and guys, we are inherently selfish. Why? Because for most of us, our mothers have just spoiled us rotten. I, I still love to go to my mom's house, and we'll go and visit with her and stay. My wife and I stay with my mom, uh, visit her once in a while. And 
It'll be breakfast time and my mom will come up to me and, you know, it'll be in the morning and she would, you know, hi, Danny. You know, how was your sleep last night? It's like, that's fine, mom. And she's like, you know, so, so Danny, you know, how do you want your eggs? You know, and he's like, well, you know, I'll take one fried and one scrambled. You know, I do. <laughs> well, hi, Danny, you know, how do you want your bacon? Do you want it crispy, you know, or do you want it flabby? You know, <laughs> I'll take it crispy, you know, and, and maybe four pieces instead of three. And, you know, Danny, you know, do you want orange juice or milk or coffee or apple juice? Yeah, I'll take all four. You know? And the whole time my mommy's doing that to me, my wife Amy, after 26 years of marriage, she's sitting there going, Danny, how do you want your eggs done? Do you want those eggs scrambled? Do you want them fried? You know, she's like, wait till you get home. You know? Guys, that's the problem. We're just inherently selfish, right? Because the ladies have done a wonderful job taking care of us all the way from when we've been babies all the way growing up. And, and if you're like me, there's just a good chance that your mother, you know, spoiled you to some extent of it. But, but, but let's, get, let's get back to our passage. I don't even know what we're talking about. First <laughs> Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Let's keep going here. Let's see. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So look at the beginning there. It says, dwell with them according to knowledge. So what does that mean? What knowledge? Oh, pastor, that means I know my wife and what kind of cookies she likes and what kind of flowers. Well, it actually gets a little bit deeper than that. Some of you guys are sitting there going, my wife, flowers, cookies, what are you talking about? It reminds me of the story I heard. I don't know if this is true or not, but a guy in L.A., did you hear about this? He had found a bottle on the beach, and, you know, he polished it up, and out came a genie. And the genie, you know, he's, whoa, this is my genie. You know, I get three wishes. The genie says, no, bad economy, you get one wish. And he, well, okay, I'll take the one wish. So what is it you wish for? And the guy here in L.A. says, well, I'll tell you what I want. I'd like a, I'd like a bridge that goes from L.A. all the way to Hawaii. So I can go visit Hawaii, and I don't have to fly. Uh, I don't like to fly. So I'd like you to build me a bridge from L.A. all the way to Hawaii. And the, 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 the genie says, well, yeah, that's just a lot of work. I mean, there's a lot of expense in there. All the permits, you know, the ocean's deep, all the concrete, all the raw material is going to take, you know, getting approval from the government. That is really really, really a big ask. I mean, that's going to be a hard one. I mean, boy, that building a bridge all the way to Hawaii, man, I've never, that's the hardest one I've ever had. He said, can you just give me, how about something different? Why don't you just give me a different wish? And the guy says, well, okay, my second, my other wish, instead of that, he said, how about if just help me to understand my wife? The genie thought for a second and said, so d- did you want that bridge four lanes or two? <laughs> <laughs> Getting to know your wife here in this passage doesn't mean just getting to know what kind of flowers she like, what kind of cookies she like. But the word here actually ties back, if you go back to the Greek, is actually the same word that's used like when Adam knew his wife and they had a baby, okay? So it's a very intimate word, and, and I'll make sure this stays PG, but, but it has to do with our intimate relationship. And it says, men, you need to know your wife on this intimate, intimate uh, uh, relationship aspect of it and to understand her and to figure her out sexually. Really, that's what it means, period, and to understand that. And this is not about the guy being selfish. It's not that. But the responsibility is on the man to meet the physical, intimate needs of his wife. And so that is what your job is to do. And it, in my Bible, it can't be any clearer than this, but it, it literally puts the responsibility on the man. Not being selfish, not just taking, but, but in knowledge, understanding her in this intimate way, giving to the wife for the fulfillment that she needs, and in total equality. Look at 1 Corinthians 7.1. 
Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to the wife due benevolence. Take your pen, please, and underline those two words, due benevolence. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. Due benevolence here is just so crystal clear. It's literally what is hers by right. What is due her by right. The wife hath not power or authority over her own body, but the husband. And the, likewise, also the husband has not power over his own body, but the wife. In marriage, we don't have the authority to deny each other intimately. Verse 5, defraud ye not one the other, except ye with consent for a time that ye may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your in, uh, continency here. So he's saying, listen, you, you, you both need to be uh, uh, intimately involved as much as possible. Unless there's a time that you agree for spiritual reasons that you abstain. Why? Because otherwise Satan is going to tempt you. Okay? Husbands, you need to know your wife on this level to understand, to study, to try to figure it out. (laughs) Wow, that makes it sound so easy. (laughs) So the man is to meet the wife's needs physically, but the man is also to treat his wife respectfully. Look at verse 7. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. Okay, here we go. Giving honor unto the wife. Giving honor to her as unto the weaker vessel. We're to treat our wives respectfully, and, and, and this passage has been so abused by different preachers and different books and everything like that. But the context here, the context here is just giving honor and giving respect to her as the weaker vessel. Generally speaking, generally speaking, the woman is weaker than the man. Generally speaking, I know, I know, things, there's some weird people out there that bodybuilders or whatever. I understand that. I get it. But, but this is not saying weaker mentally. It's talking about physically here just in general. So there's nothing strange here about it. But it's saying, listen, I, I'm going to respect her by protecting her not only spiritually, but protecting her schedule, protecting things that she's exposed to, protecting her from the in-laws, protecting her from, from ridicule, I am going to protect the entire person, not just having a shotgun under the bed and if a bad guy comes in, but my job is to respect that woman in the whole, in the whole scheme of it, the big picture, to respect her, to look out for her, to make sure that she is protected, the whole person, spiritually, yes, physically, yes, but emotionally, my job is to respect her and to protect her all the way around. To sometimes be able to step up and say no for your wife when she just can't say the word no and she overbooks her schedule or says yes or whatever. To be able to say no, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to help you. Third one here, men are to dwell with them as heirs together. As, look at that verse, as being heirs together, the grace of life. We're heirs together. We're, we're partners spiritually and we honor her, not just as a wife, but I honor her as an equal sister in Christ. Not a subordinate, not lower than me. You know, Christianity, Christianity is the only faith that ever elevated women. You know, back when this scripture was written, back in these times, women were nothing more than really a piece of property, and Christianity was so radical that it actually elevated women to be on an equal plane with men. And it was, it was totally radical. The time was written. And that's no different today. But Because why? Because in Christ, we're all equal. Okay, At the foot of the cross, we are all equal. 
We're not better, not worse than we're all equally. And spiritually, gentlemen, spiritually, you have no advantage over her. Okay? Okay? You don't have any advantage over her, but you have a responsibility over your marriage as an authority. Why? Because you, the Bible says, are responsible to Christ for the spiritual leadership in your home. All right? It doesn't mean that your prayers are answered first before her prayers. No. You're on the same playing field, but you got a responsibility before God to lead that marriage spiritually, to protect her spiritually, to treat her, what to say, equally, to, to, to have that, that she is my sister in Christ. And look what it says here at the end, that your prayers be not hindered, that the prayers of the husband be not hindered. So guys, think about it. Look at that passage. The effectiveness of my prayer life depends on how I treat my wife. But my prayers don't ever seem to get answered. Well, maybe you need to look at how you're treating your wife. That's what that passage says. It says, listen, men, you better be taking care of your wife. You better be honoring her. You better be respecting her. You better be treating her. You, you, you better be doing all these things I just told you, lest your prayers get hindered. So, so who is he talking to? He's talking to the guys. This is a big deal. I may hear your prayer, but when I see how you're treating her, I may not answer your prayer. The effectiveness of our prayers. Guys, you're praying for a job promotion. You're praying for, I don't know, whatever. You're praying for to go hunting and you get a big buck. You're praying for whatever that's important to you. You better be treating your wife right if you want God to hear your prayers. <laughs> that's what he's saying. He says, you better be careful about this because the effectiveness of your prayer life depends on how you treat your wife. Because so look what he says. Go back to the verse and just look at it. It says what? It says we are heirs together. Why? So that your prayers are not hindered. You want God to answer your prayers? Make sure that you have the responsibility and you're taking care of your wife the right way. And you're doing this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. This is kind of what love looks like. Husbands, love your wives. See, in this passage, he talks to the men first. Husbands, love your wives. How? How do I love my wife? Even, now look at this, guys. This, this, is, this is the burden on the men. Even as Christ also loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? And gave himself for it. I love her so much that I would easily give my life for her. Her life, her well-being is more important than my life and my well-being. And this means to have a life that I'm living sacrificially. Look at the next verse, verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Look at verse 27. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. So, so, so there, there's the same thing that we're supposed to be treating our wife the same way that, that Christ treated the church as, as the spiritual leader here. Verse 28. So ought, okay, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. <laughs> I think it's interesting that he says that. Why? I'm going to go back to the whole selfishness thing. Because men, we're inherently selfish. And I think he said it again. Guys, you're selfish. You better be thinking about this, okay? Verse 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. <laughs> Of course, we don't hate our own flesh. No one does. We take care of our body. We feed our body. We, we cherish it. We do, you know, whatever. We need to be treating our wives the same way, even more so. <laughs> I, I kind of have to laugh about this. You know, women can, can deliver a baby and, and go through it and, and, you know, next day, you know, come on, get out of the hospital. Let's go, you know. And, 
you know, us guys, we get a sliver and it's like, ah, I didn't take, you know, a week off work. I got a sliver. Oh, would you take care of me? You know, and the wife's sitting there going, I just delivered that kid. You know, <laughs> you know, big deal about your little sliver, you know. But he says we need to be very careful about this and, and selfishly living our life. Why? For her benefit. And it's a very tall order. All right, gentlemen, can I just see you shake your head? Are you feeling the weight of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7? Can I at least see something? Okay, the faster you shake your head, the sooner I'll be done. Otherwise, if you're not getting it, I'm going to keep going until you get it. Because we know that guys don't like to listen to this kind of stuff. <laughs> Gentlemen, we, we need to take full responsibility. We need to be the man. To truly take responsibility for our family. And that means our children. That means our wife, our finances, the whole picture. To be able to be a man and to stand up and say, I'm taking responsibility for it. I'm, I'm taking ownership for it. I'm not pushing it off. Listen. I'm not blaming the in-laws, okay? I'm not blaming the government. I'm not blaming my boss. (laughs) I'm not blaming the church. I am taking leadership, spiritual leadership for our family to direct our family in the way that God needs it to go. Men, you have the greater responsibility. You, and apparently in this passage, you're answering directly to God for your marriage. Men need to be men. Men need to stop being the pushover that men have become and doing everything that everyone else tells them to do. Well, I'll just do what my in-laws tell me to do. Gentlemen, please, can I talk to you for a second? You don't have to do what the in-laws tell you to do. You do what's right because it's the right thing to do. Amen? That's what we need is men that just say, no, we're not going there. No, we're not watching that. No, we're not listening to that. No, we're not doing this just because everyone else says to do it. We're doing what's the right thing to do because it's the right thing to do. Well, I don't want to hear it from my wife. Well, you got a problem. Be a man and say, this is what we're doing. It's the right thing to do. It's just the right thing. It doesn't mean you're, you know, you're czar and you're king and you're dictator. But gentlemen, take the leadership. Be the man. Stand up and, 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 and listen, you are never going to push your wife around. Don't, 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 you know, say, here, you know, you do this. You know, you are going to lead, and by that example, by that example, she's going to see that you're leading. She's going to see that you're leading and will follow the example. Don't, don't try to put, here, you do it first. Here, you, you know, you go to church first, then I'll go. No. Gentlemen, you take the leadership of this. You know, this is important. This is something that we should be doing. This is something that's important to our family. And, 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 and I want our family led in this way, okay? Now, listen. Let, let's be done in this passage. But let me just say this. Gentlemen, I'm going to give you a challenge today. And the purpose of this challenge, the purpose of this challenge is to make a point. The purpose of this challenge is to prove to all of us, myself included, how inherently selfish we are as men. I'm hoping by this really simple example that I'm going to give you, this really simple uh, uh, test I'm going to give to you gentlemen, that you will start to get into your thick skull. You're right. I am inherently selfish. Okay? This is, my, this is my male psyche. This is the way I am. I need to stop being so selfish and start thinking about us more and our family more and take the leadership that I'm supposed to have, the God-given leadership. Here's what you're supposed to do, men, and this is, you only have to do it today, okay? (laughs) Today on the way out, when you leave here today, I want you to treat your wife as Christ treated the church. Say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? On your way out today, I want you to, on purpose, open the door for your wife when you walk out the church door and when you get into the car. And 
you're going to see how totally unnatural that feels. Now, I know, I know there's an exception to every rule. Someone's going to say, Pastor, I do that every day. Praise God. Then you be the example for us out there and teach the rest of us guys how to open up the other side of the car. Because I've never even been to that side of the car. I don't even know it's over there. But, but on the way out today, gentlemen, I, just because I, I want you to think about it. This doesn't come natural for me to prefer her. It doesn't. It doesn't. Of course it doesn't. It's our selfish, sinful nature. Way out those doors, you get the door for your wife. You go out to the car, you unlock the door, you let her in first. I should have said that. You let her in first. Because it's just not natural. And maybe this passage will set in a little bit and say, you know what? I am responsible before God. I do have a, a, a bigger responsibility before God than she does in this matter. And this isn't natural. And this is an area I need to work in. I need to prefer her above me. And spiritually, she is my sister in Christ. She's not below me by any means. By any means, no. But I have got some work to do to be the man that I'm supposed to be to to lead our relationship spiritually. Why? Because not her, but me, is going to answer before Jesus Christ how our marriage was. Okay? You're going to answer, guys. You are. And you're not going to blame it on her. And you're not going to blame it on her parents, okay? You're not going to blame it on a television show. You're not going to blame it on Hollywood. You alone are going to stand before God and answer for your marriage, okay? Gentlemen, as I said before, 99% of the problems when I go to marriage counseling, it is usually the men's fault. And the ladies are all sitting there with a big smile on their face right now. So ladies, listen, if your husband doesn't open the door for you on the way out, you have permission to tell me about it next week. Matter of fact, we could do this. We could have a testimony time next Sunday morning, and you can give praise or a testimony, prayer request. Pray for my husband, and (laughs) he didn't pass the test. All right, aren't you thankful for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful? Listen, guys, I get it. I know. That is so countercultural. Okay, I understand. All right, you're sitting there going, are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I, I get it. Totally different. But I'm thankful for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that God told us how to win at marriage. I'm thankful for these verses. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm thankful that going to heaven doesn't require me to be good. Right? I'm thankful that going to heaven doesn't require me to put money in the offering plate. I'm thankful that going to heaven doesn't require me to be baptized. Are you kidding me? I'm thankful that going to heaven doesn't require me to join a church. There's nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> you know, I'm thankful that it's not my goodness, but it's by grace that I'm saved. It's by what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary when he what, showed his ultimate love for the church and said, listen, I will die in your place so you don't have to. Someone's going to pay the mortgage on your sin, okay? because the Bible says in Romans that the payment or the cost, the wages of sin is death. Someone has to pay the mortgage on sin. And Jesus said, you know what? I'll pay it because you can't. All I'm going to ask is that you would believe that I did it. I'm, going to, I'm just going to ask that you would trust in the fact that I did it. John chapter 3, verse 16 is such a wonderful verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever stops doing drugs, no. Whosoever gives money, no. Whosoever repents from all their badness, no. It doesn't say that. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God, I realize I'm a sinner. I can't pay it. But God, I believe that Jesus died for me. And I'll accept that. I accept that as the payment, as the mortgage payment for my sin. And God says, you know what? You're forever part of my family 
forever part of my family. Why? Because you're trusting in me as your Savior, not your goodness, not your good works, but you're trusting in me as the payment for your sin debt. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I just love that story of Christmas that we love to tell every week. All right? Let's have a word of prayer, church, and uh, let's be done today. And uh, there's a lot of door opening that needs to take place today. We've got to get out of here. Father, we're thankful for our time in the Word. Lord, again, these are countercultural. These are counterintuitive. I get it. Yeah, th- this is not popular subjects to talk about. I get it. But, Father, you gave them to us from the Bible, and you said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and you said it's profitable. You put it there for a reason. Help us to man up and accept it. Help us to be men that take responsibility to take leadership. Stop blaming everybody. Stop, stop, stop being wimpy in that area and just saying, you know what? I'm leading my family this way because it's the right thing to do. God called me to do this, and I'm doing it. Help us to work in this area. We need leadership, Lord. And the church today needs leadership. Help us to be the men that we need to be. Would you work in our hearts, Father? Would you work in our hearts? Thank you for all the men and the women that are here today. Thank you for the marriages that are truly trying to work on things together, trying to improve for the sake of the gospel. Lord, maybe there's someone here today that's never trusted in you as your Savior, someone today that thought they could go to heaven by being good. But today, Father, we understood from the Scripture that it's not by us being good. It's by simply believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid our sin debt. Maybe someone's trusted in Christ today as their Savior. Would you give them a special blessing today, Lord? A special blessing if today they understood for the first time salvation's a free gift. Thank you for all you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262. 262- or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com Thanks for listening.